dexterity with the state's deep-seated tight-fistedness, that bill passed easily. Still, New Hampshire didn't go first in the 1916 presidential primaries. Instead, it followed Indiana by a week and held its primary on the same day as Minnesota's contest. Four years later, in the 1920 election, New Hampshire had the first slot on the primary calendar all to itself and has enjoyed it every four years since. Through the 1948 election, however, few people noticed. They had no reason to pay any particular attention. It wasn't until 1949 that the New Hampshire state legislature finally passed a law whereby presidential candidates' names were placed on the ballot directly in a separate presidential preference poll. It amounted to little more than a political beauty contest, but one that had an immediate and intensely significant psychological impact. The first New Hampshire presidential primary campaign of real consequence took place in 1952. That year, first-term Tennessee Senator Estes Kefauver took on President Harry S. Truman for the Democratic nomination. With the new presidential preference poll in place, Kefauver decided to try to persuade rank-and-file New Hampshire Democrats to vote for him and against the incumbent. It wasn't an easy task, especially because there was no blueprint for how to do such a thing. So Kefauver winged it. When he made his first campaign trip to New Hampshire, the Democratic challenger approached people at random on the street, asking for their votes one by one. Previously, such a practice would have been considered gauche, and it was still highly unusual. Truman never even set foot in the state before the 1952 primary. Kefauver, on the other hand, was working hard for each vote. Sort of. By the standards of modern campaigning, he wasn't exactly grinding it out, and the locally popular image of him pounding the pavement for extended periods is largely a myth. Kefauver made a grand total of two trips to New Hampshire before the primary. His rather minimal exertions, however, did make an impact when it came to generating free media. Truman's political team, meanwhile, didn't mobilize until the last week and a half of the primary campaign. As the president dallied, Kefauver showed off a hint of the showmanship that would presage some of the more theatrical performances of candidates in later decades. His signature accessory was a coonskin cap, which he wore while traveling around to campaign events, sometimes by dog sled. It was pure shtick. The man was a Yale-educated lawyer trying to present himself as a maple syrup-swilling Davy Crockett. But the act worked. Kefauver defeated Truman by 11 points, an astounding whack at a sitting president from voters of his own party. In spite of the new preference poll, however, the primary still held relatively little sway over who ultimately became the nominee at the convention. As such, his New Hampshire defeat wasn't necessarily a fatal blow to Truman. Far from it. It was, however, a psychological walloping, and the president had gotten the message. Less than three weeks after the shocking primary results, Truman announced that he would not seek a second full term in the White House. Although the question of whether he had already largely settled on bowing out of the 1952 campaign remains a matter of some dispute, what's certain is that from that point forward, the New Hampshire primary acquired the slightly sinister reputation as a potential graveyard for the ambitions of lackluster presidential frontrunners. Over the next couple of decades, the event ascended in the national political power structure But until 1968, competing in the New Hampshire primary remained optional for most presidential candidates and little more than an opportunity to gain some attention for others. Typically, the primary remained more of a sideshow than a central component of the election drama, as it was in 1960.
when John F. Kennedy won 85% of the New Hampshire Democratic primary vote in a year when none of his major opponents even competed in the state. It wasn't until eight years later that the New Hampshire primary began to solidify its reputation as the inflamed appendix of presidential frontrunners, who time and again dismissed its rumblings at their own peril. When he entered the Democratic primary race in November 1967 to challenge incumbent President Lyndon Johnson, Minnesota Senator Eugene McCarthy did not circle New Hampshire on his initial list of primary targets. Eventually, though, the anti-Vietnam upstart challenger came around to the view that if he wanted to show the country that he was serious about taking on LBJ's highly organized, heavily funded political machine, he'd have to start at the beginning of the nominating calendar and deliver an early and unexpected punch to the incumbent's gut, just as Estes Kefauver had done 16 years earlier. McCarthy's greatest advantage was his core of young, passionate supporters who were energized by the candidate's call for a U.S. troop with